Good to see you. Somebody's still worshiping back there. It's hard to stop, isn't it? Okay, well, uh, how many of you have been with uh, something this week? You've been here, the school, heaven and health care, living fire, what else have we done? We did something else, I just know it. Global legacy, global legacy, yes, okay, well... Greetings to the rest of you. Hello. <laughs> it's good to see you, finally. Uh, we've been gathering all week at different points to uh, share on different things, and uh, we're about to do the same again this morning. So uh, it's always a pleasure to be in the house, and uh, I think uh, every time... Pete and I talk about how long we've been together. We add a couple years to it. So we've been together about 70 years now. Yeah. 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 And uh, it's, it's very, very fun. Uh, it's, just, it's, just, it's wonderful to see momentum. You know, it's just, it's just so, so fun to, to watch momentum grow and, uh, and even more fun to be part of it. So thank you for uh, allowing me to participate in... Uh, in, in your success. Yeah. Um, before I get going, I'd like to just uh, be sure to mention a few things to you that are available that will help you uh, maybe with some of the stuff that I'm talking about or have been talking about or uh, you've heard that I've talked about or any of that sort of thing. Um, in addition to that is the uh, Loving and Purpose Life Academy, which is... Um, it's nothing but money. It costs money. Nothing free there. It's just, actually, there's an app. If you haven't got the app yet, Loving on Purpose, just go get it. Go get it. It's free. It's full of really great stuff. Um, blogs, videos, podcasts. Oh, my. I mean, there's so much stuff in there that is valuable, helpful, reinforcing, and free. Then you get to the Life Academy it's not free, but it's super valuable. It's eight sessions, uh, study guides, and it's yours. I mean, once you download it, once you uh, purchase it, it's available to you for as long as we all shall live. Um, it is available to you know do with your small groups, do it with your uh, your leadership teams, do it with your family, whatever. But distribute this. In, 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 in your sphere so that you can help people kind of catch up with you because it's no fun doing healthy all by yourself, right? Trust me, it's no fun. And uh, when you start growing and when you start learning things, when the people around you that you're connected to aren't, they have no clue what you're doing, it, 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 it can actually cause trouble. So be sure to... Invite other people into what it is that you're doing, how, uh, you know, and, and, and help them understand what you're doing. For example, one of the, our latest e-courses is successful confrontations. Uh, here's the number one spot where people blow up their connections. It's when I discover that I am talking to someone who's not me. For some reason, this is so surprising. 
We get involved in these conversations and you think differently, you see differently, you need different stuff, and you come at it completely different. This is a problem. A lot of people call that marriage. (laughs) Other people call it parenting. Whatever you call it, it is you bumping into another human who does life from a very different starting point. And so successful confrontations is going to help you figure some of this out, give you some skills on how to um, find a place of understanding and do a good job of lowering anxiety so that the very best you comes out. Because when your anxiety spikes, the very worst you comes out. And for some reason, we think it's a good idea to bring out our worst and then go ahead and try to have a conversation. And it's often painful. So painful that we just stop trying to have conversations. We just avoid the conflict. We avoid the pain. We avoid, we avoid the failure. And so this will help you get through all that. All right. Here's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about... Fearless love, which is, you know, a little redundant in that love casts out all the fear. That's the way it's supposed to work. Amen? That's the way it's supposed to work. We're supposed to uh, uh, achieve a place in Christ, a place of maturity in our love that we actually can fearlessly keep coming back, can keep fearlessly approaching relationships, important relationships, even relationships with strangers. With the point of fearlessness. And so it's, uh, it, it's great to read about and it's, it's, it's interesting to hear a preach about it. But then we gotta go home, right? We gotta go home with this person or these people. How many of you, uh, live with someone besides yourself? Yeah. See, there's somebody waiting for you. After this message, you're gonna get, you're gonna go home, you're gonna get to practice. You're going to get to practice fearless love. I um, recently, I, I, uh, I, I, got, I got sick and I was laying on my bed for, my bed or my, my couch for almost a month. I, my legs didn't work. My feet, my feet and my knee just were just in such pain that I couldn't stand up. I couldn't walk. I was on crutches for a couple of weeks. And, and so I was just sitting there. I'm just sitting there, which I never do. I never just I never just sit somewhere for very long. And my phone, my phone starts to buzz. And it seemed like all at once I had four of my friends who are in ministry full time text me or called me to tell me that they were separating from their spouse. Like, wait a second, wait a second. Wait a second, you got ministers of the gospel here. And you're separate. Your marriage is in such a shamble that you're going to just separate. That's that's what we're going to do. Four in like a day. Like, wow, I, I should not sit around. I should not stop moving. I should keep moving to keep families together. I'm like, what is the deal here? And, and I begin to realize that... Um, there's something going on, in, in, at least in my country. I don't know if it's going on in your country, but there is a war in our land. Light and dark are in maybe the most epic battle since the crucifixion. Yes. 
There is such a evil that is confronting Jesus and the body of Christ today. And it is and it is in a war at the highest place in our land. And so it is it is sending shockwaves through our society. And I'm looking around and I'm seeing that the foundations of people I know and love and I know love each other. Those foundations are being shaken. And they're being tested. And some of them are coming up lacking. And I realize that, you know what, we have a lot of a lot of maturing to do in our love. We've got to we've got to realize that that we've been given a covenant, an invitation into a covenant with Jesus Christ. That is a process. It's an ongoing process that matures our love. And I think sometimes we we think that it uh, it happened upon salvation. You know, we we prayed a prayer. And we came in, and boom, ta-da, I'll read my Bible. I'll read my Bible and go to church, and my love's going to mature. I, I want to I press you a little bit this morning and say, oh, oh, please, please understand there's much more that is going on that is actually maturing your love, not stagnating your love, not holding your love in, a, in a, 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 an immature place. But there is a, a opportunity, if you, if you pay attention to it, there's an opportunity that will chase the fear right out of you. Now, I had a, one of these couples, I, I finally got a chance to get in a room with them last week. And both of them have... You know, they, they've, they've been, they, this marriage has been in counseling for a while, they told me. I said, all right. Okay, great. We've been through several counselors. I said, all right. Okay. Now, I married these people. I did their wedding. I know them. And, and when I do your wedding, we are in it to win it, baby. We are going to the finish line together. I am hanging on to you, and you are hanging on to each other. That's our agreement on that day at that, in front of all those people. That's what you promised. Okay, so we're still in that promise. That's what we're doing. So they finally made it to me. Now, both of them independently, they're not living together, but both of them independently sent me a little, I'm not sure if you really want to know the truth of what's going on, but I have a very clear picture of what that truth would be. Let me send it to you. Just wonder if you want a little backstory. Maybe you can be up to date when we get in the room. Let me tell you. Whatever it is I need to tell you to be sure that you are leaning to my side by the time we get in that room. <laughs> and they both did it, right? So I get in the room, we're sitting there, and I said, okay, um, what is the goal of our time together today? And they're both like... <laughs> I said, oh yeah, I did. I got a message from both of you. I, I didn't read either one of them. 
I'm not really here as a judge. I'm here as a father. I'm wondering what your goal of our time together is. And they're both uh, sitting, looking at me like, okay, so you're not going to take a side. Oh, no. Oh, no, I totally thought this was going to go different. And I just sat there quietly while they looked at me. And then they began to remember something. The goal of our time together is that they will both find a way to have the best marriage they could ever have. That's actually what we're doing today. We are trying to figure out a way to make this thing the best it's ever been. And sure enough, one of them just starts telling on themselves. That's what I've been doing. And I did this wrong and I did that and I, and I, and I was blaming and I was, I was selfish and I was resentful and I need to change. And before we know it, repentance is happening. See, that's actually what we've come to do today. We've come together to repent. We've come together to create an opportunity for the new covenant to work. See, the new covenant doesn't work without repentance. Is this microphone working? Because you guys are just looking at me like I'm not even talking up here. You're just like... See, the new covenant doesn't work without repentance. And I don't mean, you know, the day at the altar when you... That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about right now. A lifestyle. A a sensitivity to the work and and the mind of Christ. Because repeatedly, as I carry the mind of Christ, what I begin to realize is my thoughts are not his thoughts. I need to repent right now. I need to repent again. I can't believe I have to repent again. I'm like a professional repenter. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. You have been called in to repentance, to walk in it and to bear fruit of it. Not once. But it's a continual lifestyle. That's what we're doing here. And, and then be converted. Repent and be converted. Every time I think of the word convert, I think of coming over here and having to find a different plug. You guys just have too much power over here. It's too much power. You blow up all my stuff. I looked at that word convert, and one of the definitions kind of caught my attention, especially in the the political climate that seems to be so rampant in society today. It means to change parties. To be converted means to change parties. Like, what would it take for you to change parties? Well, some people say, well, my brain would have to fall out. Like, right, okay. 
that much repentance, meaning you see things that different, that you could change parties. That's what leads to times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. That I would be willing to so radically change the way that I see right now that I would think completely different. And then times of refreshing. Times of refreshing. So many times we go, I just... I just haven't felt the presence of the Lord. I just don't feel close. I just don't feel connected. I just don't feel what I need to feel. And it comes from repentance. It comes from being willing to change parties. See, there's a party of fear and destruction and darkness. There's a party of fear of disconnection, of judgment. And there's a party of love, of the kingdom, of connection. Repentance is what leads you to change. But there's an obstacle to that change, and it's woven into our theology. It's attached itself to our identity. It's attached itself to the way we perceive ourselves and each other. Jeremiah 17, you know, it starts out like Psalms 1. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the water. Does this sound familiar? You get down there right in the middle. It sounds like we're just kind of cruising, like this is awesome. And then all of a sudden, our heart becomes deceitfully wicked. Now, I don't know about you, but somewhere in my theology... This paradigm made it into my identity. It got into the way that I see myself. My heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You know what happens when you believe that? You don't trust yourself. You don't trust yourself. And I certainly don't trust you. And now what's begun to happen is an undermining of really what the body of Christ is about, which is love. Love God. Love each other. Love yourself. You know how much trust is involved in love? A lot. I don't know if you can actually measure it. Let's just go with a lot. A whole bunch. But this weaves itself into our identity to the point to where we actually think we are wicked, basically. That, and I know me, I'm in here, I'm in here. I know that I judge that person like 20 times today. I know, I, I know what I, I know I got frustrated and I posted that on Facebook. I, I remember it's still there. I know I snapped at that person. I know that I cursed at that person in traffic. They deserved it. <laughs> I know that I'm basically wicked. Thank God. Thank Jesus. Who will, who will deliver me from this wretched body of deceitful wickedness? 
Praise be to Jesus. What's your problem? What are you looking at? See, it weaves itself into my identity, and and eventually I think I'm basically, I'm basically wicked with some experiences of righteousness here and there, usually during worship. (laughs) Paul goes on, or or actually Ezekiel goes on to say, you know what, there's a new covenant coming. There's a new covenant coming. And there's a trade that happens. And that deceitful, wicked heart, that heart of stone, gets traded out. This is the new covenant. There's a trade that happens. And you end up with a heart of flesh. You end up with a tender heart. Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says, And God is going to write on your hearts. Jeremiah 31 says, And God will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. And in that, he says, he will write his law on their heart and their mind. Now, all of a sudden, there is a transition in identity. And no longer am I trapped in deceitful and wicked. That's not who I am. That's not who you are. Paul tells the Ephesians, he says, You, you once were... Darkness. Somebody say were. Were. (laughs) You now are light. Somebody say are. You sound like a bunch of pirates. Now you sound like a bunch of pirates. Okay. You once were, you now are. That's the transition. You, you moved away from were into are. Catch that? I, I one time was walking through a field. I stepped on a board that had a nail in it, right? Ah, I lift up my foot. The board came with it. Ah, I have a, I have a, I have a nail in my foot. At no point in that whole experience did I ever think, I'm a nail. Oh no, now I'm a nail. All I could think about was, how do I get the nail out of my foot? See, sin does not change your identity. Jesus does. And we, we give sin so much power. We give our mistakes, our poor choices, so much power. Ignoring how much more power the work of the cross is. Sin doesn't change your identity. Shame does. And our agreement with the power of, of sin is what moves us back to My heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. And so I'm constantly trying to find righteous things to do to get away from what I actually believe to be about myself. Instead of living as dearly loved children of light. You know how easy it is to to do light when you are light? 
You know how hard it is to do light when you are darkness? The transformation of my identity is, is, is really sending a message not only to myself, but to the world around me that I understand that, that sin is essentially anything that wars against love. And so here comes the repentance. Here comes the power of repentance. See, the new covenant created something that none of the old covenants ever had. The Old Testament is an umbrella of a number of covenants. None of those covenants, whether it was Abraham, Moses, Israel, whoever had their particular covenant at the time, none of them had the new covenant. You know why they call it the new covenant? Because it's not the old one. It's new. Forgiveness entered our life with God. Never been available previous to now. They could, they could offer sacrifices to postpone the pending punishment that they knew was coming because they were basically wicked and God was patient. But we have a new covenant, but we still live in the old ones. We still dig around in the old covenants and we see ourselves from that. And we don't understand that what forgiveness creates is a whole new cycle. Starting with repentance. I know I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven, Lord. And now, I want to see how you see. I want to see right now how you see. Help me see how you see. Give me repentance. And I will walk right into it. Because repentance leads me to reconciliation. Repentance leads to reconciliation, which then opens up restoration. Repentance, reconciliation, restoration. There's one more R. Repeat. I go back... And I wait for another opportunity to change the way I see and live. It moves me into reconciliation with whoever has been injured. Wherever sin has warred against love, it breaks relationships. So my repentance opens up reconciliation. Now, I don't control whether we reconcile. I don't control that. I just control whether or not I'm ready for it. That's us. That's who we are. We are ready for reconciliation of love. That's how we live. That's what makes us so weird. Those weird Christians, they're like always ready to love. It's so hard to offend them. They're not like everybody else who's so easily offended. I'm speaking in faith here. (laughs) Those Christians are so ready for reconciliation in relationships. They are amazing. Have you ever seen how they love each other? 
Wow. They must know Jesus. Look at how they live. See, the new covenant doesn't work without repentance. It doesn't work. It's step one. Step one is, I repent. I'm no longer conformed to the way this world works. But I am transformed through the renewing of my mind in repentance. And I am now ready for reconciliation. Forgiveness, healing, truth, walking in the light. I'm ready. Let's, let's, let's do this. And it doesn't, typically doesn't work the way we usually think it is, like a courtroom. Two sides come together, present their evidence, bring, bring in witnesses. And the judge says, cut the baby in half. This is a disaster. No, it's very much about how have I hurt you? How have I scared you? What do you need from me? Here's how I've been hurt. Here's what I need. I'll supply you. I don't know what you're going to do. I don't control you. But I've repented. I think differently about us. I see that we are injured. I'm humbling myself and I now have a grace that doesn't explain why this counseling session that I had with my friends, they text me, both of them text me separately and said, this was better than all our other counseling sessions we've ever had. I'm like, that's because you didn't repent in any of your other counseling sessions. It is so easy to go through counseling. It's so easy to go through life and... Not repent. Like I can't even tell you how many adulteries that I have walked people through. And one of them stands over here and is in the party of fear of offense and judgment. And thinks they've repented because they didn't get a divorce. No! No, you're in the wrong party. Repentance is going to be required on both sides before we're ever going to get to reconciliation, which then is going to lead us to restoration. See, lots of people don't get divorced. Lots of people don't quit their job. Lots of people don't leave their church. Lots of people do, but lots of people don't. Lots of people don't quit the worship team. And lots of Christians don't live in the new covenant. Because I've not repented. I've not changed the way that I see. I've not reconciled because it wasn't available to me. Because I didn't repent. I don't know how many times I have cited 1 John 4.18. There's no fear in love. But what I didn't realize is that 4.18 comes after 4.17. As he is, so are we in this world. Do you know how often Jesus is ready for reconciliation with us? Do you know how how ready he is? He He just lives in a 
perpetual state of, hello, welcome back. Hello, welcome back. Missed you. Hey, welcome back. So glad to see you. I mean, I mean, the second that I repent, there he is. There he is. Hey! Times of refreshing come from being converted, seeing things completely different. And we love because he first loved us. See, this is our posture. This is, this is what we're, we're, we're standing in is, I, I love you. I'm going to keep getting myself back to I love you. Anybody have children? Children? Yes? Not sure? You're not sure? Well. <laughs> How many of you have children? Boom, there they are. There they are. I knew there had to be more children here. We're in trouble. There's a time as a parent that you think you know how things are going to turn out. It's brief. It's, it's, it's a brief time. And then nothing really goes according to plan. And there's just so much repentance in your relationship with your child so that you can reconcile. I mean, you, you are repenting, meaning that you are changing the way that you see them. You're growing and you you just keep moving through repentance, reconciliation, restoration, repeat, repentance, reconciliation, restoration. And that that is the maturing of your love. This is a this is the process. It's like going through a cotton gin. You, you're just being separated from your seeds all day long. You're like, goodness sakes, this is hard work. But I'll do it. I'll do it because of the covenant love that I have with you. How many of you have adult children? Okay, I rest my case. It is a fearless love that you have with these children. How many of you were children? Yeah. Yeah. See, ask your parents what it's been like living with you. They'll just shake their head and say, thank you, Jesus. It is the it is the maturing of the love, this process. And you put it to work. You put it to work. You consciously do it. You realize what has to happen. Step one. Step one. Have I repented? Have I repented? Or was I waiting for you to do it. Well, you can't set up my reconciliation. You can't set up whether I will reconcile or not. I can only set up whether I will. And so that's exactly what I do. I practice the new covenant so that it works in my life and in ours. Amen? Amen. All right, let's all stand together. Just put your hands on your hearts. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for the option of maturing love. Thank you so much that you have created a way for us to chase the fear away from what it is that you're doing in our lives. And now, Lord, we ask you to just pour out grace right now. Pour out grace in this room. But even as we humble ourselves in your presence, that you pour out grace. And you grant us repentance wherever it's needed. 
Lord, we need repentance. It's not something that we did a long time ago. It's not something we did in some big situations. It is a lifestyle. And we live in a place humble and tender before you. And Lord, we are hungry for reconciliation. We are hungry to to participate in places that make us the way you designed us to be. We want to be restored. We want to be whole. And so Lord, we just offer ourselves this morning as your people, ready to bear fruit of repentance for your glory. Thank you, Jesus.